Welcome to the Global Elections Podcast. I'm Jason Manchester. Liechtenstein is one of the world's smallest countries. A relic of the Holy Roman Empire, it has survived the Napoleonic Wars, the rise of nationalism, both world wars, and communism. It is now one of half of Europe's last two absolute monarchies, the other being the Vatican. In spite of this, and bizarrely, the country has a strong democratic tradition. It holds regular elections to a representative body with high voter turnout. Like its neighbor Switzerland, it has a tradition of participatory democracy. There's a theory that smaller democratic entities tend to produce more representative results. But how true is this? And what does democracy even mean in a country with 17,000 eligible voters, ruled by a monarch, and mainly known for its status as a tax haven for the global elite? Today, to really consider democracy in microstates, we look at tiny Liechtenstein, its history, and its politics. The short story of Liechtenstein is that there once was a wealthy family who were friends with the Holy Roman Emperors. They had land of their own, which included Castle Liechtenstein near Vienna, which is how they got their family name. In spite of their vast wealth and their land holdings, they were not princes within the abstract feudal system of the Holy Roman Empire, and therefore had no seat in the quasi-federal imperial government. To increase their family prestige and to provide the Habsburg emperors with another ally in the imperial government, Hans Adam Liechtenstein arranged the purchase of two parcels of land from a German prince. This amounted to half of Mountain Valley in the Alps, now sandwiched between Switzerland and the Panhandle of Austria. The Holy Roman Emperor ratified the purchase and named the Liechtenstein family sovereign monarchs of the Principality of Liechtenstein. For generations, the princes of Liechtenstein never visited their sovereign domain. This all changed as the imperial system fell apart after the First World War. Both Germany and Austria became republics, and the Habsburgs were dethroned. In the 1930s, the Prince of Liechtenstein married a Jewish woman from Vienna. Following Nazi Germany's annexation of Austria, the family was forced to relocate to the Principality of Liechtenstein permanently. This is more or less the beginning of the Liechtenstein family's direct rule over the country, which bears its name. The Prince of Liechtenstein, Hans Adam II, exercises enormous control over the government. In practice, it works as a constitutional monarchy, but constitutionally, it is an absolute monarchy. Like Switzerland, Liechtenstein has a streak of direct democracy in its politics, and holds regular referenda, having had about four dozen since World War II. In 2003, a referendum was held with two questions. One question on the ballot would expand the powers of the prince, and the other would curtail them. The prince threatened to leave the country and live in Vienna if the people did not vote him more control over government, which of course they did. The fact that the country used direct democracy to reduce the level of democracy in the country is one of the many contradictions of this enigmatic country. New powers granted to the prince from that referendum included the right to dismiss the government even if it had the confidence of the legislature, and the right to veto legislation and to appoint judges. Effectively, the Prince of Liechtenstein can act without any democratic control or judicial review. This had the effect of creating an absolute monarchy. The prince now holds a veto over all legislation including laws passed by national referendum. There was a referendum in 2012 to restrict that power. The prince, of course, threatened to veto that law if it passed. It was still soundly defeated by the public. 
Ironically, the one inalienable right that the public now holds is the right to a referendum to abolish the monarchy, which is a right still enshrined in the Constitution, and if passed, could not be vetoed by the prince. The party system in the principality is also peculiar. From 1939 until 1993, there were only two parties represented in the Landtag, the principality's legislature, and these two parties were, until 1997, always in a coalition. It was an odd system where the public voted on the parties and then they would both be a part of a consensus government, with not a single member in the Landtag sitting in opposition. The system started in the election of 1939, which wasn't really an election at all. The election was scheduled for the year after Austria had been annexed by Nazi Germany, when the Prince of Liechtenstein had fled Vienna. The Principality of Liechtenstein, a German-speaking country, feared both invasion and a small but vocal Nazi party operating there. To counter this, a deeply biased system of proportional representation was adopted, with a threshold for entry set at 18% of total votes. They also introduced a law that would prevent the election from even occurring. The law stated that if parties representing at least 80% of the votes cast in the previous land tag got together a common list, that list would be declared elected without a vote. Now, creating a law to prevent electoral competition is, of course, deeply undemocratic. However, when we consider that the local Nazi party at that point had invited and then attempted to provoke Nazi Germany to annex Liechtenstein, I feel we can forgive them. The so-called election of 1939 simply gave 8 of 15 seats to the FBP, the German acronym for the Progressive Citizens Party, the party who had won the previous government. It gave the remaining 7 to the VU, the Patriotic Union, their progressive rivals. These two then sat as a coalition government, with three of five cabinet seats going to the FBP and two to the VU, a government that remained neutral as Europe was torn to shreds. In new elections in 1945, two weeks before the ultimate surrender of Nazi Germany, the FBP again won eight of 15 seats, though this time there was an actual election. They decided, however, to continue the wartime arrangement with the same grand coalition. This same configuration, eight seats to the FBP and seven to the VU, with a coalition government and absolutely no legislative opposition, continued until 1970, when the VU got that extra seat. They took control of the government and continued the government coalition. These elections, by the way, had a very high voter turnout for the 4,000 or so citizens who were allowed to vote. It's worth mentioning that although the country was given universal suffrage in 1918, women did not get the vote until a referendum in 1984. That referendum was passed with only 51% of the vote, so it was clearly a contentious issue. Even after women began to vote, the political system continued on as normal with coalition governments. From 1997 until 2005, governments were majoritarian, with the FBP running one government alone and then the VU running the next. But in 2005, a third party, a green left party called the Free List, won two seats, denying either the FBP or VU a majority. They responded by returning to a grand coalition again. The last election, in 2013, was a little different. The FBP won a majority of seats, and they maintained a previous agreement with the VU to keep a coalition government. This time, however, two opposition parties had been elected to present a real challenge to the government coalition partners. We can't talk about Liechtenstein without talking about its history as a tax haven for Europe's rich. The Principality acts in many ways as a part of Switzerland, with similar laws that provided for secrecy in their banking sector. It is, famously, a state with more registered corporations than it has people. Bloomberg has reported that a number of the world's largest corporations are managed through foundations in Liechtenstein, including the foundation that controls 
Swedish furniture manufacturer IKEA's intellectual property holdings, Louis Dreyfus Holdings, the world's largest cotton and rice dealer, and the holdings of the richest family in Chile, which controls its copper mining empire through several Liechtenstein-based foundations. From the 90s to the mid-2000s, a series of scandals involving securities fraud, payments to the September 11th attackers, and treasuries filled with Nazi gold began to focus international attention on the issue of offshore tax havens. Add to that that after the financial crisis in 2008 and 2009, Western governments became more interested in closing tax loopholes as a way of plugging their growing budget deficits. While international attention was focused on changes in Switzerland, Liechtenstein and 34 other countries were branded by the OECD as uncooperative tax havens and faced the threat of international sanctions. Liechtenstein was forced to change its policies, or become, as Prince Hans Adam put it, uncompetitive. But the country's economy was built on banking secrecy. Changes to the country's banking laws, coupled with the global financial crisis, caused a massive reduction in the total assets held and the revenues provided from them. The country's GDP, as a whole, contracted. The country is particularly opposed to running government deficits. That, and the narrow and highly volatile source of government revenues, mean that government spending has been cut massively from year to year since the global financial crisis. Cuts in spending, even in one of the per capita richest countries in the world, are never popular, and the election of 2013 reflected that. The rise of the left-wing opposition party, the Free List, and the creation and success of a new party, the Independents, were tied to a reduction in government spending. They represent the rise of real opposition in elections in the Principality. The election of 2013 gave the more conservative FBP 10 out of the 25 seats in the Landtag, and the not-as-conservative-but-still-conservative VU 8 seats. The Independents, a new party created with the pledge of simply allowing their legislators to vote however they wanted, won four seats and became the chief opposition. The independents are a populist and occasionally xenophobic group of legislators. The Free List, a green social democratic party that is the only voice in the land tag that criticizes the role of the monarchy, got three seats. After the election, of course, the VU and the FBP formed a grand coalition. They did, however, now have the largest genuine opposition in the country's history. On February 5th, 2017, New elections were held for the land tag, and that new configuration of parties was reaffirmed by the public. Overall, not much changed from the previous legislature. The ruling FBP lost a seat, and the independents gained one. Both the free list and the VU stayed the same, although the free list gained in terms of the popular vote. The FBP will retain the head of government, and the VU will likely support them, with the same type of coalition government that the country has gotten used to. The fact that the changes represented by the previous election were reconfirmed means that there will be a real challenge to the previous order in Liechtenstein. There is still broad consensus among the public, however, as nearly 75% of the voting public came out to support the coalition partners. But what does all this mean? On the whole, we can't pretend that the idiosyncratic details of one of the wealthiest and most unique countries on earth have much to tell us about politics. But we can see its features reflected in many Western governments. Imagine, two tired centrist parties that have an elite power-sharing agreement trying to survive a movement towards government austerity. That austerity breeding a right-wing populist movement that is xenophobic and ideologically difficult to pin down. A left-wing party that fails to capitalize on popular discontent. Above it all, a powerful executive that uses the people to make an end run around his legislature. Maybe we're not so different after all. Down in the valley where the day was breaking Pale sun fell on the infant ride. We both are a night on new beginnings 
The Global Elections Podcast is produced at the James Street Studios in Ottawa, Ontario by me, Jason Manchester. The script editing by David Smith. Thanks this week to Gypsy Swing Band Opaque for the use of their song, The Lichtensteiner Polka. You can find them at SoundCloud backslash Band Opaque. You can find the Global Elections Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher, or wherever. You can get a hold of us on Twitter with at JK Manchester, and you can follow us at facebook.com backslash global elections podcast. You can rate us on iTunes or Stitcher if you like the show. It helps people find us, and it does probably help us out. Maybe, I don't know. My name is Jason Manchester. Thanks for listening. When February came, we saw the carnival, and the streets were filled with noise and cheer. I saw my darling in the garden of the Red House.